Hello, and welcome to episode 89 of Outnumbered the Podcast. Today is part two in our book recommendations episodes, and we are so excited to share with you all our favorite books in a whole bunch of different categories and genres. And as well as our favorites, we're going to be sharing with you where we search when we're looking for our next good book. So we hope you really enjoy this podcast. Hello, and welcome to Outnumber the Podcast. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Audrey. We're experienced moms to a combined total of 18 children. Our mission is to help overwhelmed parents find peace in parenting and humor in the chaos. Come join us as we attempt uninterrupted conversation about parenting with joy and intention. All right, and welcome back. We are so excited to talk to you about adult books. And no, you don't need earbuds. This is a family-friendly topic. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, adult books. Is that what we talk about on this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) No, it just means higher-level books, as opposed to our last episode that we did on kid books. First of all, I'm going to start out with something funny that my three-year-old said. She seems to be saying all the funny things (laughs) right now. So I'm trying to remember some of them. So the other day, um, I had given them pork rinds for a snack. So our little routine is that we do a little bit of homeschooling in the morning, and then I send them out for recess, and they have some fresh air and outside time, right? The importance of that, like we talked about last week. And then we go and um, I call them back in and give them a little snack. Well, this day I had given them pork rinds, and it's been quite a while since I gave them pork rinds, but that's an acceptable um snack for my boys on the keto diet and so they were munching away on their pork rinds and the boys were talking about how good they were and I said to her I said do you like your pork rinds and she says "Mm, I'm eating my porcupines (laughs) (laughs) so cute (laughs) so she was not going to commit to liking them or not but she was eating those porcupines and I love that she was like actually willing to eat porcupines whether she liked them or not (laughs) (laughs) Maybe she doesn't even know what a porcupine is, uh, but she likes them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so last episode, we we split it up when we were talking about kid books into kind of like the age of kids. And this episode, um, you know, adult books, you can read these at any age. And we are including like our older kids in these books to teens and above. So we're going to we are going to talk about this episode by genres or category of books. Yeah. And I just love talking about books. Both of us could talk about them all day long, but adult books are the ones that bring us the most joy, right? So this is an extra special episode that I'm excited about. Yeah, definitely. Um, To start off, I wanted to share uh, kind of this interesting metric for choosing books and and for kind of rating them in your mind, right? So um, this totally goes for books of of uh, all genres and all age levels. We just thought it was a little bit more appropriate to include in this episode than in the kid one. But um, this is included in a book called The Healing Power of Stories by Daniel Taylor. And um, he has some ideas that can kind of be summarized like this. He, he calls books, um, he says you can, you can label them as whole, broken, bent, or healing. And this is what these terms mean. So a whole book is one that... Um, shows that good is the same as good and bad is bad um, and good wins. Okay. So that's kind of like your, your typical fairy tale. There's a, there's a big bad wolf and some good people and, and good wins, right? Conquers evil. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, pretty simple. A broken yeah. book is one that also shows good as good and portrays bad as bad, but bad wins. So there can be some learning, some life lessons learned in that as well, right? Like sometimes good doesn't win. Sometimes bad things happen, right? Um, there are lots of, you know, like world war stories that could be kind of considered that, right? Where you know what's good and you know what's bad, but the bad guys have a lot of battles that they win, right? Kind of interesting. Um, Bent is a book that portrays good as bad and bad as good. So it flips them and either one wins, but the author or the work has the intention to try to sway the reader's allegiance. Okay. Towards Mm. bad as opposed to good. So those are a little bit trickier. Most of the time our family tries to avoid books like that. However, as kids reach teenager, teenage years, young adulthood, those can even be helpful to let them to show them how authors influence their readers, right? And like, oh, right. just to sit down and have a really in-depth discussion about what's happening here, right? To really be aware of it because they're not going to be able to always avoid books that we don't <laughs> love for them to read, right? And I think it's really helpful for those young adults to be able to identify that, if that makes sense. Uh, and then finally, uh, what healing a healing book is, any of the above, so whole, broken, or bent, that affects a positive change in the reader's paradigm. So uh, they ha- it gives a, a, a reader epiphanies, a resolve to make a difference in the world, to be a better person. So any one of those books can be a healing book. Um, it just depends on how they read it, you know, how we help them process it, et cetera, if that makes sense. So I just really like that because I think sometimes when we get into these bigger books, you're thinking, okay, is this a message I want in my home? Is this one I want in my own mind? Um, But I I try to compare them to that metric and decide, okay, yes, it is a a bent book, but I think it's a very healing book and and it helps me and my children learn lessons. So I thought that was helpful. Wow. That is really a neat way to categorize books. I hadn't thought about that before. You know, I pretty much steer away from the young adult section of books because I feel like most of those books are bent or broken books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's I can like see there's that. so much, like they're trying so much to influence, um, like there's so much agenda in, in the young adult books that I've read. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, for yeah. sure. All right. The first genre we're going to dive into is classics. So these are the books that have stood the test of time. They're the big old tomes that, you know, your parents and grandparents and and their grandparents read. Yeah. 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 So different um, lists have different classics on them. Um, So you can find a book list of classics. But um, one book that I like to read is the Well-Educated Mind book, and this comes from um, the Well, the Well-Trained Mind uh, Education System, and this is a book she wrote for adults, the Well-Educated Mind, and she wrote it for adults that are like wanting to continue their education or maybe pick up on things that they didn't learn when they were going to school. So it's a it gives you a book list of what books to read um, of the classics, but it also shows you how to read the classics. So um, how to read them through and like how to dig into them and what to look for. And anyway, I, when I'm reading a classic, I like to use that method in that, in those books. Yeah. You know, I love every one of the, the well-trained mind, well-educated mind, um, philosophies. They have book lists galore. If you guys just get on their website, we can include that in the show notes too. Um, they have list after list after list of all kinds of great books for all ages. Um, so I definitely highly recommend anything that they, that they 
suggest. And I love that idea of learning how to read a classic, right? There's all different kinds of ways to, to get that content internalized. Um, and I would just say regarding classics is that you get to decide what is a classic, right? So I've read some quote unquote classics that I really did not care for that made me feel kind of icky inside that I don't think provided any lasting lessons that are definitely things that I would not want my children to read. But then again, there have been other classics where initially I wasn't drawn to them. And then later on, I realized just exactly what I was learning, right? And that, you know, it was maybe a story I didn't care for, or, a there were characters I dis- disliked, but I was able to see that deeper lesson in that. So I just think it's important that we get to decide what we choose to be a classic and what we want to collect in our homes for ourselves and for our older kids. Um, but it, a classic should be something with, with uh, values, with lessons that continue to teach after reading it over and over and over and for years to come, right? Oh, yeah. That's, that's a good definition of a classic. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just a couple of suggestions that, you know, things we we think of are things like, you know, War and Peace and um, um, Moby Dick and To Kill a Mockingbird and Shakespeare and Jane Austen. And all of these books are, you know, these wonderful, great books that have stood the test of time yet. Like I said, there's so much more to and they're modern classics. I, I feel like I've stumbled across quite a few modern classics lately that maybe haven't gotten that rap yet. But I'm like, this one's definitely going in my collection because I learned so much, you know, and I can read it multiple times. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, the first book in the Well-Educated Mind, the first one that she recommends reading is Don Quixote. That mm. one's a fun one to start with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read that one in Spanish and it's difficult, but it's a good one. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't, think I, I don't think I could read it in Spanish. I struggle with it sometimes in English. <laughs> yeah, it was well, same, but I, uh, I did a, a higher level literature class in Spanish and so I had to read all kinds of hard stuff, but pretty fascinating. All right. The next genre we're going to dive into is self-help self-help books. <laughs> okay. So for some reason, I don't know, I prefer to listen to these kind of books. I guess maybe because they're kind of like a podcast maybe mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. Anyway, I love to listen to self-help books and while I'm doing something else so I can kind of stir on it and think about it. Um, I like to listen to self-help books about parenting, life coaching, yeah, just those are those are some of the ones. I don't have any specific titles for this section, but those are my thoughts on self-help books. Yeah, I am the same way. I love, love, love to listen to self-help or nonfiction, and I really, really enjoying enjoy actually reading fiction. And for me, I think it's because fiction is something I want to savor. I like to just sit and like, you know, when there's a really great passage or chapter, I like to kind of flip back and reread the really juicy parts or something, you know. But self-help, I can kind of get mired down by when I'm reading it, you know, and um, fall asleep or whatever. But when I'm listening (laughs) to it, it invigorates me. I can do it while I'm doing laundry or whatever. So I feel exactly the same way. Except the only... the only exception is if I'm on a road trip, if I try to listen to self-help or something educational, I'll probably fall asleep driving. (laughs) I have to listen to like something really, um, entertaining, you know? So, yeah. Oh, so that keeps you awake. Yes, exactly. Exactly. There are so many self-help books that I just love. In fact, uh, I don't know. Are you on Goodreads, Audrey? I am not. 
Okay. Well, I am, and I'm a big fan of it, mostly because I have a terrible memory. And so I've been known to read books multiple times that I thought I hadn't read before. (laughs) So I'm on there. I'll include the link in the show notes if anybody wants to be friends on there, because I love seeing other people's reviews. And I always put a little side note in my review if there's like questionable content in a book, because I hate getting halfway through a book and then finding some terrible sex scene or something that I really wish I would have known was in there. So anyway, that's a a favorite place for me to find recommendations and, and share mine. Um, but when it comes to self-help books, I really, I really prefer to follow authors in this arena than just picking up whatever's on the shelf because I kind of, I kind of want to trust somebody before I start taking their advice on life. Right. Like, Oh, here's Joe Schmo who says, uh, you should do this for your life and you're going to be so successful. And I'm like, wait, who's Joe? And should I, (laughs) should I trust his, his, uh, advice, you know? Um, so a couple to, that I was keeping an eye out for that I love are Stephen Covey. Every one of his books are phenomenal. Brene Brown, she does have a bit of a potty mouth occasionally, but she is really, really intelligent and has a lot of great advice. Malcolm Gladwell has a lot of really great self-help books. So those are a couple of suggestions. Oh yeah. That's, that's a really good note that, um, I feel the same way. Like I want to trust somebody before I take their advice. Uh, same for financial books. You know, I want to, okay, so how successful are you before yeah. I read? <laughs> right, right. I want you to be like a multimillionaire if I'm going to take your advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that kind of crosses over for me too, into relationship books, which is our next category that we're going to talk about books about relationships. So like, I want to know what your relationship is like before you start talking to me about relationships. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think I'm kind of a latecomer to reading Rachel Hollis's books. And I started um, actually listening to him on audiobook, but I don't know. See, her and her husband are now getting a divorce, and that has kind of I ruined saw that. Yeah, her same for me. For me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the same thing, and I had the same thought. Like, oh, I thought this. I found out that this week, and I was like. Well, you know, like you just lose respect. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was just like, it ruined her books for me. All right. So relationship books that um, I really like and trust are, we've talked about the five love languages a lot on this podcast. I also like Dr. Laura Schlesinger books on relationship books. And a lot of people are offended by them because, um, well, I don't know, just read them and see, but they totally make sense to me. And I, I like them. And then there's a really good relationship book that I like. It's called No More Headaches. And that's an awesome one too. Now, something about relationship books that I wanted to say is I actually have my teenage and adult children start reading these um, because I feel like oftentimes um, good, good, wholesome Christian kids start a relationship with not much relationship advice or experience or knowledge. And so, um, when they can, when they can have a little bit going into it, it just feels like it's really helping them out now. Um, yeah, that's just my thoughts on letting my kids. And, and I feel like it's been successful, um, letting my kids read relationship books before they're in a marriage relationship. Oh yeah. I love that idea. I need to give my kids more opportunities to do that. Um, because yeah, like you, you have lots of relationship experience with siblings and things, but it's a whole different ball game when you start dating and and getting married. That's something I hadn't really thought about. Okay. So I love relationship books as well. And I categorize parenting books in here because I really think that they kind of get to the heart of the relationship, right? You can't, you can't really parent without a good relationship. So, um, love, love, love reading parenting books. I I think in a couple episodes ago, we, we mentioned Richard and Linda Ayers. They are 
huge parenting experts, raised like nine kids or something. And uh, I just, everything they say, I think is genius. So those are good relationship books. Um, I would also include personality profiling in this section simply because I think it really helps relationships. And another friend was recently recommending conflict resolution books. So there's a specific one that she recommended I can share in the show notes. But yeah, I, it's interesting to think that every person uh, of approaches conflict and resolving conflict in a different way. Right. And it really, really, um, depends on their personality. So if we can understand that, I think it really helps us get through, uh, arguments or other conflicts in a family by understanding how people approach it. I thought that was pretty genius. We'll include that in the notes too. Yeah. That's a really good place to put in, um, personality books. All right. Next category we're stepping into is financial books. And we talked a lot about different financial books, specifics of these in our How to Afford Kids episode, really super popular episode of ours. But I like any financial books by Robert Kiyosaki and Dave Ramsey. Those are two of my my top two. And what's so funny is about about having those two men for my top two is that they both have such different philosophies about money, but they're both extremely successful. So I guess I kind of, I don't know, maybe do a combination of, of the two of them, but just like, like I said before, I like to look at if a person is successful before I read their (laughs) book about money. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I would also, those are probably my top two. Um, well, maybe my only two, I don't read a ton of financial books, but I do like the ones that are written for just your average Joe, like here's how to, how to succeed financially. And, um, I also include in this segment, anything on entrepreneurship, which isn't technically financial, but I, uh, expect a good entrepreneurship book to teach me to become financially responsible for myself, you know, and financially independent. So, um, yeah, so many good books in this, in this arena. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to move into something we're calling poetry, philosophy, just kind of the more headspace books or just, I don't know, enjoyment. So some of our favorite authors here are uh, Wendell Berry and Gene Logston. Both of those men are sort of agrarian farmers. So they're talking about good stewardship of the land and like um, farming and living and animal husbandry that is like in harmony with with the land around you. So yeah, I really get into those kind of books. Um Robert Frost, Emily Dickinson. We have a whole little blue book library of Shakespeare plays. Um, yeah, we we really enjoy a lot of books in this in this area. Well, I think I need to take your uh, suggestions because we are not great about enjoying a lot of books in this arena. I make my kids read some philosophy as they get into their um, you know high school years, but for the most part, it's not something that I've totally dive deep on, but I do want to do more, um, poetry with my little kids. We've usually just used whatever excerpts are in our curriculum that we get. Um, but Mm -hmm. I am a huge Shakespeare fan and I'm trying to find the right program to use for my kids because they've shown some hesitation because, you know, it requires a really high level of reading. It requires an enjoyment of, um, you know, philosophy and like character development and really being able to dive deep on in the words, you know, like he doesn't just say things how they are. He just spins his words and, oh, I just love it so much, but I'm still yeah. working on getting my kids to love him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think one thing about like the classics and this it holds true also for like plays and poetry and philosophy books is that they're a lot slower 
on the development. And mm. in our fast paced society, those kind of books are maybe a little harder to read. So yeah, I totally get that. But it's like, if you just want to sit back in a hammock and relax for a while, pick up one of these kind of books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. When kids are used to a television show that goes from A to Z in 28 minutes, <laughs> minus commercials, it's like, you got to really develop that sense of uh, enjoying something that takes a little bit of work to enjoy, right? Like Shakespeare's not something that you would read at like two in the morning because you can't sleep. You need your full brain capacity. And I want my kids to be able to enjoy that. All right. Now we're going to move into coffee table books. And these are the gorgeous, pretty books with lots of pictures that, you know, instead of just looking at at the bookstore, you actually decide to take these books home. So which, you know, which books... Why and why on coffee table books. So um, we have a lot of home, like home styling idea books like that. And especially from the arts and crafts genre, we um, live in a home that is from the arts and crafts era, a craftsman home. And um, it was built in 1916. It's a gorgeous old home. So we have a lot of books around the period of that time um, about home. And then gardening books, man, we have so many gorgeous gardening books, both, both not just coffee table, gorgeous books with lots of pictures, but also with, um, you know, how to gardening method. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of deep diving on gardening recently, um, specifically for our area because our area is so unique. It's this low desert that gets terrible water and some seriously hot months. So it takes a really Mm. specific type of plants and gardening techniques to be successful. So now you're inspiring me to find something specific (laughs) for our region. Cause I don't, if I buy something that's, you know, uh, appropriate for the Midwest. I'm just going to cry that I can't grow that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. there is a lot that we can grow. And so I need to, uh, yeah, I need to find something beautiful that will inspire me to do more stuff in, yeah. in our unique desert. Uh, probably my number one favorite type of coffee table book is travel. Like just the big gorgeous spreads of like, you know, the, the locks of Scotland and the mountains of India and, you know, just, Mm. just to kind of travel a little bit while you sit in your, in your living room. And actually a sister-in-law of mine is a graphic designer and a couple of trips that we've been on together with our extended family and friends, she has created a book out of. So it's been this kind of homemade travel book and just includes everyone's gorgeous pictures and kind of a little description of where we were that day, what we did. And those are my favorite because then it's kind of like a scrapbook as well as a gorgeous scenery to look at. That's really fun. Oh, those sound beautiful. Um, I also love home decor books. I could look at, especially DIY. I could look at before and afters all day long, Mm. right? Really fun inspiration Mm. there. And then fashion, of course. I could look at that all day too. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Okay. How to books is our next section. So DIY books. I mentioned gardening. We have just gobs and gobs of different like organic gardening and different aspects of, um, you know, orchards and all that. So we've got tons of those books. Home renovation, you know, like how to (laughs) electrical, plumbing, what you name it. We've got a book about it. Animal husbandry, like different idea, um, different animals in specific ways to care care for them. Like one I was looking at the title of was uh, Raising Goats Naturally or something like that. I can link it in the show notes if anybody else is a fellow goat person out there. (laughs) (laughs) And then sewing. I have a lot of sewing books, both design and pattern and ideas. And of course, lots of sewing books. 
Oh yeah, we got some similar stuff. I don't have a lot of animal books because we're just barely venturing into our little <laughs> mini farm here. But um, I love business how-to books. I know I mentioned those already. Um, sewing and design, same. And probably the nerdiest, most boring types of book I have books I have are pattern design, where I can sit and like read it like a like a novel, and people look at me like I'm a weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when we travel, I take my, I take this kind of book along my sewing pattern design books. And my husband's like, you're reading that while we travel. <laughs> well, my son was, he's in geometry this year and he's been struggling a little bit and he's like, when am I ever going to need this? And I said, actually, <laughs> and, you know, pulling out some, and he's like, well, I'm not going to design sewing patterns. I'm like, but you might, you know, you just never know, or design a building or something, you know? So, uh, and then of course, home decor, um, how-to books on, you know, putting colors together and designs together. It always looks so effortless when somebody else does it. But then when you try it, you're like, oh, this looks terrible. I need some help. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the one, um, I guess this is more of a coffee table book, but it's also kind of a home how-to book. It's the one, like my favorite uh, book about home and styling is Homebody by Joanna Gaines. Love that one. Oh, yeah. Anything Joanna touches is golden. So I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now we're, um, we're going to talk about fiction books. And I think by this, like a lot of the classics are fiction, not as in, you know, opposed to nonfiction, but I think mostly we're talking about more modern authors here. So I like, oh, just every once in a while to kick back. Now I don't have very much time. That's weird. <laughs> at, this, uh, at this stage in my life, I just don't have very much time for fiction, but um, I do have in the past, I have in the past had more time and hopefully will again in the future. And I kind of enjoy a good mystery book when I'm reading fiction or like a more military action type book. So some of my favorite authors are, and I like to, like we were talking about self-help books, I like to find an author that I like and then just kind of follow, follow their books or their series. Um, so now caveat here, some of these books do have a little bit of adult content but or or language in them but i am very conservative obviously if you're listening to this podcast for any amount of time you figure that out so i do not put up with much at all but then again you know i am an adult so i'm not gonna fall over dead if somebody mentions that two characters you know happen to go into the <laughs> bedroom and shut the yeah. Door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right so some authors that I like, um, Sue Grafton, she wrote the, an alphabet series of mystery books. A is for Alibi was her first book. Saddest thing that ever happened was she died before she finished her alphabet series. Oh, that's a tragedy. Seriously. I know. Don't I know. And she got all the way. <laughs> I know. I think she got through X, which was oh, almost wow. there. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. All right. John Lacare an English author, Jacqueline Winspirit sounds like a Harlequin romance name, but that's her real name. And she wrote a series of books um, about uh, a character called Maisie Dobbs. And she set these in um, the time between World War One and World War Two. And it's a really neat um, set of books, more intellectual, but also fiction. Uh, an interesting um author, two interesting authors I found because um, we have so many Amish here in the Midwest and I was trying to get a peek inside their culture. And so I found Mindy Starnes Clark. She writes um, a few Amish fiction books. And now oh, Amish novels are just like, I don't know, maybe they're not as big out in Arizona, are they? 
fun. I've, I've never even heard of them. I'm assuming there would be Amish people who write books, but no, I've never really heard of them. Oh, genre. this isn't Amish people who write books. This is people who write books about the Amish. Oh, interesting. Okay. No. no okay. Problem. So in the Midwest, we have like entire rows, plural, in the library of oh. Amish fiction. Okay. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just like a thing um, here. But anyway, I decided to, and, and I'm being a little bit... I don't know, unclear here, but a lot of these books are just dumb. They don't represent the Amish culture at all, and they're extremely simplified and really dumb. But two quality authors that I found was Mindy Starnes-Clark. She writes a really good quality book, and I actually read like one of her Amish books, but then got into some of her other books. And then um, I discovered Anne Gabhart, and she writes, um, actually not Amish, but she wrote a series about a shaker colony in Kentucky. And that was a really interesting book. And then like, sometimes I like, um, a food mystery book or a cookbook mystery book. So one author there is Diane Mott Davidson. She writes a, maybe a little more sophisticated murder mystery around food. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. Anything around food. I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. And I actually still to this day, make a couple of her recipes because they were so good from her books. Oh, okay. I'll check that out. Um, so I, like I said, I keep track of everything on Goodreads, which is good for me because I can't remember anything usually. So I went through and picked out some authors that I had read recently, uh, where I've read at least two of their books and enjoyed them immensely. So again, I, same caveat here that's occasionally these books have some adult material, but I, I almost always, as long as I remember, I will include a little note about that in my Goodreads review so that people can get a heads up. There have been a couple of really popular books where I've heard about them everywhere and I've read a chapter and gone, not for me. So I include that because I just, I really appreciate that that when somebody tells me like, hey, you know that super popular book? There's a lot of smut in it. You might not want to pick it up. So just for the, those of you conservative moms out there. (laughs) Um, So a couple of these authors that I really, uh, and another side note is I really, really like new stuff. I just, that's just kind of what, what gets me excited. So, um, a lot of these are fairly new books. Uh, Jojo Moyes, Kristen Hanna, Jody Pickle, Lisa Genova, Leanne Moriarty, all those are, have had at least a couple of books that I've really enjoyed. Um, you've probably heard of some of them if you follow kind of a more popular fiction, um, you know, what's, what's kind of trending in, in popular fiction. I really enjoy anything with a little bit of drama, really great characters. I I can't tolerate poor writing. Like if the writing is halting or just like words are overused, I get really impatient. So all these have really great writing, great characters, depth, some humor, some mystery. So I, I love, um, war type stuff. Um, although I'm getting a little, I think I've read every world war two fiction out there. I think I'm, <laughs> it's time to move on, but anyway, fiction is my favorite. I love it. All right. Our last category is just called everything else. Other books, <laughs> cookbooks. Oh my goodness. I love cookbooks and then books about food. Like I have a whole book about chocolate and it's not recipes. It's just about chocolate. <laughs> oh, I, had, I, I recently did a clean out of my, uh, books and cookbooks and food books, I think right before we moved to this house. And I think I got rid of like six books about chocolate. I mean, they might have had a couple recipes, but most of them were just about chocolate because I'm fascinated about chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. I have tons of books about health, like ways, different ways to be healthy and keep healthy and have healthy kids. Kind of obsessed with that subject. And then um, homeschool, tons of homeschool books um, on both how to homeschool and then like... (laughs) 
I haven't talked really about any of the higher level books that we use with our kids for homeschooling. Um, it's all part of the Tapestry of Grace curriculum, but that we use. But anyway, um, just love all the books that we've mentioned. And like, I think Bonnie and I could probably start like a whole book podcast. But anyway, <laughs> if you love talking about books, go listen to and follow along with Everyday Reading, our, one of our guests that we've had. And she's just awesome. She's always talking about books. Yeah, I get a ton of great book recommend- recommendations from her and from a couple other book bloggers I follow on Instagram. So that's a really fun place. Um, and mine are really similar to yours, Audrey. Lots of homeschool books, um, you know, talk about different paradigms of teaching and different reasons that keeping your kids at home is a great idea and um, just anything to help inspire me in my homeschool journey. Um, food and recipes as well. I love picking up books about um, new diets that I've heard of, you know, people are talking about eliminating gluten. Okay. Is that really a big thing? I'm going to go read about it or, um, this or that. I just, I love anything that opens my eyes and gets me to think differently about things and hopefully improve our lives. You know, uh, I love reading about births. I have read about 15 books about the best way to give birth and <laughs> what kind of things did you forget that one? <laughs> I forgot to include birth books in my list. Totally. I, you know what? Really sad. I had an entire section in our library, um, our home library on birth books and midwives and all that. And I loaned them all out to somebody and they never came back. So I'm slowly rebuilding that. Yeah. Yeah. So many, so many great books there. Um, One book in particular I'm thinking of is all about the spiritual side of birth. And it's a combination of essays written by midwives and other women who are close to birth and birth stories. And oh, every time I read it, I cry. It is just, oh, if anybody needs kind of a healing book to read in regards to birth, uh, that is the one. And we'll include a, a link to it. But um, anyway, love, that, love birth. Is that Spiritual Midwifery by, by what is Ina McGaskin? No, 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 no. It, it has okay. a couple of editors because, like I said, it's just kind of a series of essays and other people's okay. experiences. But I can't recall the name, but I'll include that in the notes. Okay. Um, and then really just anything that helps me open my eyes in regards to a topic that I've been feeling kind of inspired to study. So always fun to, to learn new things. Yeah, you know, I wanted to say at the beginning of this episode is the one book that Bonnie and I didn't mention that we read the most often, and you guys know, (laughs) Bonnie and I both love the Bible, and that's our most often read book. I'm sure I can speak for both of us when I say that. Yeah, thanks for bringing that one up. I should have mentioned that. (laughs) All right, so that was a ton of titles and authors and things that we mentioned. So you guys will link uh, as much of that as we can in the show notes and so that you can come back to this podcast often this episode and listen, listen, uh, look at the show notes or listen again. But we hope that you um, enjoyed our list of books and authors. And if you have some to share with us, definitely um, send us an email at outnumberedthepodcast uh, at gmail.com or leave us a, a message on Instagram. We always love finding new authors. And often, if you'd like to hear us talk about books, often on our Patreon episode, Bonnie and I talk about what we're currently reading and our thoughts about it and so on. So you can always um, support us on Patreon to hear more about what we're currently reading. Thanks so much for tuning in. Did you know you can help the podcast in several ways? First up, we're on Patreon, and there are three different levels to support us there. Just head to patreon.com slash outnumbered. Next up, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a written review on iTunes. It helps other parents find the podcast and receive the help you're enjoying. And finally, you can follow us on Instagram at Outnumbered the Podcast. We're always having fun over there, too. 
As usual, if you have any questions or ideas for future episodes, you can reach us at outnumberthepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. Apparently the words shut the door when you go out means different things to different people. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Where are we? Financial. Financial. Yeah.